disclaimer, um, it's really easy to dwell on the negative things in law school and we're just trying to be real with you because social media only likes to show you the good things. All right, welcome back to the In-Laws podcast. I'm Sophia. And I'm Brianne. We're two law students who created this podcast to talk about law school, law talk, and everything in between. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the in-laws pod and our law school pages at Sophanlaw and at Brianna-in-law. For this week's episode, we thought we would talk a bit about what law school has actually been like for us and what a law school experience can be like. We go to different schools, but many of the experiences you have in law school are pretty universal because of how rigid the institution itself can be. So we thought we would talk about what a typical law student actually is compared to what kind of the representation of law school students are, especially on social media. So I think it's a bit skewed. Um, it was so shocking to me how wealthy they are. It was so yeah. shocked. I can't even describe the like, <laughs> the things it did to my brain figuring out how wealthy everyone around me was. Literally the likelihood that so many people in your class either have two lawyer parents or one lawyer parent is extremely high. No matter what law school you go to, no matter what the rank is, the percentage is so high. Like it is so high. And sometimes people just like never bring it up. And then you find out in extremely random ways that they have an attorney parent and then there's the other people who like bring it up any chance that they get. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even if their parents aren't lawyers, they're in really, really prestigious fields doing, doing really big things, getting paid lots of money, very unrelatable to me. Mm -hmm. Or their parents have friends that are lawyers slash like college friends that went to law school and became lawyers. Yeah. And I think that was like the biggest, the biggest obvious thing to me is that so many people that I met in law school had talked to so many attorneys before law school. And I didn't like, I didn't really have anybody to talk to. I didn't know that you could just like reach out to attorneys. So I didn't do it. So I was like, how the fuck do you guys know all these people already? Yeah, I only knew one attorney and that was my boyfriend's dad. Um, and he was someone who, much like yourself, he was a teacher and he was a teacher for several years before going to law school. He actually went to like a night program and is now a solo practitioner. And his experience is just so different than the experience that I'm getting that like, he. <laughs> he wasn't really able to help me that much. Like he tried his darndest to help me. But like, I don't think he studied for the LSAT. Like he didn't, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't reaching out to his professors from undergrad from like 15 years prior to get a recommendation letter. He, yeah. you know, he was just doing in his mind, like, like this is what I have to do to become a lawyer so like I'm just gonna go go for it yeah it's weird there's also a lot of people who just like work at their parents firm 
have already worked at their parents' firm or are just planning on working at their parents' firm. It's like, they already got a job. So, yeah, bless them. <laughs> and even if they're not working at their parents' firm, they're working with one of their parents' friends. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, if you have federal clerkships lined up before Oscar, you're getting them from your parents' friends. Like, and people will have multiple federal clerkships lined up before the application for getting them goes live. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest games of law school is literally, who do you know? And you learn that very quickly. You step foot on campus and they're making you go to all this shit or they highly recommend you go to all this shit, this networking thing, these networking things. It's so that you meet who you need to meet during law school before you need to get a job so that you have all these connections, all these like spider web connectors out so that when you need something, you have pull. That's literally what it's, it's the name of the game. It's literally the name of the game. Yeah. And I feel like there are two ways to get those connections, right? You can be the person who's very wealthy and you can, you know, get them through your parents and your parents circle. Um, Or you're the type of person who doesn't have connections like that coming into law school. And you have to distinguish yourself. Like you have to be stand out in comparison to other people to get the same people's attention and it what different people who are like in high places prioritize can tell you a lot about them and like maybe I don't want them as a mentor maybe I don't want them to be helping me find my way if they aren't the type of person who prioritizes my background right yep I know like my mentor, I would have never thought I'd have a mentor like this, like this, he is like a 51 year old man who is like extremely wealthy. Like he's in the, he's in like the top section of donors to my law school, Mm -hmm. you know, like that tiny section. (laughs) Um, But he's someone who like, he really values, he really values people who have not had it easy in life and in a way that is much more genuine than I've ever seen from other people in the legal field. Um, He's fantastic. I love him. I never thought I would have a mentor like that. But if like six things didn't happen to line up perfectly with me meeting him, I probably would not have my job after graduation. Because a lot of me getting my foot in the door with that firm was him being like, here are all the things Brianne can bring to the table that you're not going to see in her application, that are impossible to see in her application. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it really goes back to the idea that like grades are not everything, but the higher your grades are, the more doors will be automatically open for you or like, you know, will already be unlocked for you. And it's really crazy to think about like which opportunities you might not have right away, 
because of those like great factors or whatever factors that you might get later in life once people know who you are and like know your story. And in a weird way, it's also kind of like why it's important for you to like establish yourself as like who you are. And another weird thing like about the legal field is like, I feel like you almost have to brand yourself like you are your own brand. So like whatever people see you as is what like is what is going to be said about you in different spaces. So it's almost like you need to pick some like very defining features that are like extremely unique to you that those are what people are going to remember about you and take with them when they're talking to somebody else and be like, oh, I like networked with this law student, they blah, 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 whatever. Or like when you reach out to somebody that they know, or you're like, hey, do you know people in this space? And they're going to email that person ahead of time and be like, hey, I gave your contact info to this law student who blah, 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 whatever. You need to have those things ready because that's what's going to carry you, Loki. That's what's going to make you memorable outside of your grades, outside of your extracurriculars, your accomplishments or whatever. Because when you're networking with people or when you're doing interviews, they're not asking you about the shit that they can just read on the paper. Okay. They have already seen that stuff. You need to come in with something else. Yeah. I always recommend having a list of things that you want to work into the conversation whether it's in a networking event or an interview. And that really does revolve around like, what do you want to portray about yourself? What is your brand? And fortunately or unfortunately for us, (laughs) media presence is an extension of that brand. Yeah. And I am not sure how firms would handle if your brand behind closed doors is different than your brand online. But I know that attorneys at my firm were first shocked and also very pleased that (laughs) I was on TikTok was exactly who I was in real life. Yeah. Yeah. My firm also knew about my TikTok. Like we watched my videos together. So (laughs) yeah, attorneys were in, (laughs) there was an attorney in my videos. (laughs) He was like, (laughs) let's do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you really do, you, you brand yourself in a way that is very strange. I wonder if we're just thinking about that because we are branding ourselves. (laughs) Maybe, but I think it's like important because that shit like will follow you, whether you do something like really great in law school or you do something really bad, because both of those things are going to follow you, even just in like your peer network like your class, your school, those things follow you. Like things people did freshman year, that's what they're, not freshman year. Oh my God, one all year. <laughs> no, because one the year. they follow you. <laughs> I'm an extern at a public defender's office right now. And when they got in the applications for interns, for externs, it's a situation that's like, hey, like, do you know anything about this person? And I'm like, oh yeah, like they're fucking awesome. Like I love them. Uh, Here's what I can tell you about them. Yeah, that's something that I think some of us learned pretty quickly is like flexibility. Um, And especially like when I was working over the summer, like the upperclassmen, the two walls were like, if people ask you if you want to do transactional work or litigation work, whatever, you need to just say you're open to trying it all because you're a one out, it's your summer. You need to actually see what kind of work you want to do because you haven't done work before. So me, I was already leaning transactional. 
we, me and the other person, we were both like, we'll literally try whatever. And we did. Like I got so many litigation projects that I actually really loved. So it's like, you, you can't like brand yourself as like one thing unless you are fully, fully committed, fully committed. (laughs) And like, absolutely. And even it makes me anxious when firms hire summer associates for specific departments. I'm like, oh, they don't, they don't know anything yet. They don't, they've never done anything. Yeah. (laughs) That's so scary to me. Like even I was general, my summer associate position was general and going in for your first year at this firm, you're general, you don't get put into a specific practice group because they know that you don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Why would they do that? Yeah. Um, so, oh. Yeah. Okay. Now that <laughs> we went off on this branding tangent, um, so that is typical law student esque shit. And coming along with that is like school, paying for school, how people are living during school, because that's something that I noticed right away is like where people were living, because people will be oddly very extremely open about that where people are living, what they're doing in their free time, where they go out to do stuff. It's like, it's crazy how obvious the like background tax brackets of people can be. But also there's sometimes like very shocking people who just like spend a lot of their student loans on bougie shit. And then it's also like weird finding those people out too. I think actually, I think one of maybe one of our first interactions on TikTok was I made a video about you get to winter break and you're like, holy shit, everyone's going on international vacations. Everyone's on some beach. I went to Delaware to babysit my nieces so that my older sister could go to a wedding. And that was like, I was super excited about it. (laughs) I'm sitting at home for a week straight. That's what I'm doing. And it's just, that to me was the first time I was like, oh, like these people are in a different tax bracket. Like they are, they live a very different life than me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also just like the way people stress about money for different reasons. And that's something that I realized, especially as somebody who didn't go straight through is like, there are a lot of K through JD students who still pretty heavily rely on their parents, which there's nothing wrong with that, but it's also just like weird to experience that as someone who doesn't and hasn't for like years and to like see people still getting like a lot of help from their parents is just like a very weird experience. <laughs> it's very strange to me. Um, and the weirder part to me is the people who will still be getting help from their parents will be like, I'm broke. I'm so broke. I don't have any money, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, shut up. Like, I don't care. It's like, you could probably get some if you asked. Well, it's also just like, I I know people who complain about like how tight their student loan money is and like how they're running out by the end of the semester. And like, believe me, that is, that is a struggle everyone has. In yeah. law. You get to the end of the semester and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. 
literally i'm literally like budgeting like christmas money like travel like everything is getting budgeted okay <laughs> absolutely i will say like i'm i'm very glad and maybe this is just like i have a lot of opinions on this but wealth is not flexed at my school um and i think wealth on social media especially for some reason law students on social media is very very much flexed like yeah. you see law students posting their outfit of the days and you're like that is eighteen hundred dollars in an outfit mm -hmm. what is happening here <laughs> I, I do not understand it um at my school no one at, like no one is really wearing designer shit like that's not happening um, I think the negative side of that is that people try to hide their wealth. Mm -hmm. I, I think the most I've seen are like designer purses and stuff. I would say that the wealth flexes are more subtle or like not as obvious, like in people's clothes. Like sometimes you can tell, sometimes you can't always. I have a few friends who are like super fashion-y. So they'll see somebody's coat and be like, oh my God, that's a blah, blah, blah coat. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but like, great, whatever. And then they'll like pull it up on eBay and be like, this shit is $700. <laughs> um, but I see it a lot in people's cars and I see it a lot in where people live because once again, law students are just bizarrely very open about where they live. And I can literally tell from like zero, like you could literally give me a picture out your window and I know exactly what street you fucking live on in the city. Like, it's really not that far. And so I know where a lot of people live and I'm like, how are you paying for that? <laughs> the cars, the cars are so crazy to me. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing at my school because I know so many people do try to hide their wealth and even like, I don't think I've seen anyone even with designer bags at my school. We got some Louis in this bitch, I will not lie. Maybe there are some, I really don't think that there are though. I don't think that there are. I mean, I think, you know, I see people with Telfars, I carry a Telfar, but like I've, that's a very different experience in my opinion than like a designer bag. Yeah. Um, but I, I distinctly remember like starting my tool year when everyone was going into the school for the first time, getting text messages and being like, bro, like this person drives a sports car. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And being like, what the fuck? <laughs> we do it with our professors too like if somebody figures out like what car a professor drives we're like oh my god this person has this fucking car we're like shit <laughs> i've never seen it with a professor i do know that um my torch professor from my 1l year sometimes drives his motorcycle into school oh swaggy <laughs> on social media it's it's so much worse yeah it's very exaggerated on social media for some reason which in real life, it's really not. Like, I'm sorry, but law students are pulling up ragged as fuck. We just are. Like, that's reality. <laughs> no, me last night, I went to bar review. And I, I was like, this is bar review. Like, you get somewhat nice. You right. get 
somewhat slutty and I showed up and everyone is in like leggings and sweatshirts and I'm like what the fuck (laughs) people coming so raggedy to the point where I made like a promise to myself when I started undergrad that I was never going to wear sweatpants to class Mm -hmm. and when I started law school I was like okay I won't wear sweatpants and I won't wear leggings um, which I did for my entire 2L year. I wore leggings one time this semester. Um, but several people have pointed it out to me. They're like, you're always wearing real pants. Me too. Literally me too. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the things that people complained about me last year was that I dressed too nice to school. And I was like, I don't know how to tell you that I prefer jeans. I just prefer jeans. If I'm comfy, my brain doesn't want to function. Yes. That's literally like part of the reason why I get like fully ready every single day. Like I'm, it might not be like great, amazing, awesome, but at least I'm getting like ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm the same way when it comes to my clothing. I have very much um, accepted the fact that I will never be a makeup everyday kind of girl. I will, I probably am a makeup once every two weeks if and like for that I'm talking like color corrector and blush and mascara and that's it and to me that's me getting that's me getting really ready like that's what I wore to bar review last night that's really ready as long as you look good it doesn't fucking matter as long as you feel good and you feel put together it puts you in a different mindset for school um but yeah no it isn't Law students are not pulling up in, first of all, these like revolve blazer dresses. That's not happening. That is not happening. Especially not every day. Like some days people will like pop out with a nice fit, whatever. They're feeling good. They had a plan. They got some new clothes or they have something else to go to, whatever their reason. But it's just not an everyday thing. Like there's truly nobody who does that every single day. And maybe if that's you, cool. But in general, that's just like not it. So you don't need to put pressure on yourself to do that if that's not who you are. Like you just need to show up to school as you are in a way that helps you learn. Like that's all that really matters. Literally it. All right. What is a day at school actually like? It's differed so much for me from 1L to 2L to 3L. So I think let's do this by year. Okay. My one L year was extremely structured, like very structured. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, I had three doctrinal classes all day. They started at 8.45 in the morning and they'd end at like 4 p.m. And I'd have an afternoon break. Um, so it was very much like you wake up, I hopped on Zoom because I was doing Zoom law school. I was in class all morning until noon. Um, I'd get off, make lunch. If I was not behind in my readings, I'd try to like relax, maybe take some time to eat my lunch, go on a walk. Uh, If I was not, then I would be doing readings for my afternoon class. which is more likely as the semester goes on. 
And then I would get out of my afternoon class. I would take a break, eat dinner, and then I'd read again until 8 p.m. And I had a hard cutoff at 8 p.m. And I'd stop. That was me every every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then Tuesday and Friday, what'd you do? Tuesday and Friday, we had our legal writing classes. So it was when a lot of our like meetings with admin were and doing like just readings for our classes. I would try to do my readings for Wednesday and Thursday all on Tuesday. And then I'd go to my legal writing class. And then on Friday was my like work in the morning, go to my legal writing class, which was in early afternoon. And then I'd take off the rest of Friday. And then I would do readings and work for legal writing on Saturday, pretty much probably for like six hours on Saturday. And then I would do more work Sunday morning before football started. It's pretty, it's pretty structured. It was very Mine was pretty similar. Um, we had three sections for our one on class coming in. So we all got split up and you either began the day at nine or 1030, depending on your section. I had classes Monday through Friday and they were all like weirdly staggered, but every day I had two classes. And so that wasn't like the worst of all time. Actually, did I have two every day? Yeah, I had two every day. I had two every day. Um, and the parking situation at my school was freaking ass. So I got to school like 7.30 every day. And then I would either have class at 9 or 10.30. I always pack a breakfast. I always pack a lunch. So I always had food. And then we got like a sizable chunk break. So our classes would either end at like 11.40 or they would end at 10.15. And then we would have a break until either 2 or 3.30. So you could either have like a humongous break or just like a few hours break. I always took a lunch break of either like half an hour or an hour beginning of the semester. I was much better about staying on top of my readings. Mm -hmm. And then <laughs> second semester got a little bit, got a little bit worse, but not considerably worse. I actually had a class that like my property class, our cases weren't that long. So I would read all of the cases on Sunday and then I just wouldn't worry about property during the week. And then I'd focus on my other classes. Um, but I would, I would read before class. I would read after class. I would have lunch. I would read more, go to class and then go home. Some days, some days I would stay until like five or six. That was usually what was typical. Like I would kind of just stay until I was like ready to go eat dinner. And then I would go home, eat dinner and probably not do very much school because last year I was not a nighttime worker. This year, my schedule has shifted a little bit, but last year I was like nighttime. I'm not, I'm not trying to do shit. Obviously, that isn't perfect and doesn't always end up happening. Um, but my my hard deadline was either like eight or nine, depending on the point in the semester. If I had a lot of writing to do, it was later. But if I didn't have writing to do, then it was like eight. And then weekends, I had two classes on Friday. So I would do work at school on Fridays. And then the rest of Friday was also off. And then Saturdays, I would do like minimal work, like reviewing, outlining shit. And then Sundays, I would do like a shit ton of work. I'm not gonna lie, I do be dogpiling Sundays a little bit too hard. That's something that I really did not do a good job of one all year was like putting hella shit on Sundays when I should not have. 
I've gotten better about that this year and done like a lot more work on Saturdays though. Yeah. I, I try to work on Saturdays instead of Sundays. Um, depending. I mean, sometimes I know that my boyfriend is going to have his ass planted on the couch watching football from like 9 a.m. because suddenly there's games in London. What the fuck? <laughs> there are like multiple games in London every year now. Um, so some weeks it's 9 a.m. Like until, you know, 10, 30, 11 p.m. at night. Yeah. I'm not trying to watch football that day. I will be like, let's hang out on Saturday and then I will do my work while you enjoy football. Um, so it just depends on my mood. But yeah, same. Like when I'll, it's like classes, reading, classes, reading, classes, reading. That's it. And mm-hmm. it's nonstop. Yeah, especially when you're just beginning and like you feel so slow at everything. Like it takes up so much freaking time because you just like, one, you cannot understand those things that quickly. I mean, more power to you if you can, but I struggled the first couple of weeks. I was like, I don't know what any of this shit means. Yep. And then you're also like hyper-focusing on like really small things because you're like, I don't know what the professor is going to ask me about. And I don't want to be embarrassed during a cold call if I get cold called on this. Yeah. Also like one all year, I mean... A lot of law school shit really depends on your personality. Like it really does. But as a bitch who was active in the class group chat before school started and a bitch that is active in general in social shit, I was just, I was doing the most. Not as much as some of my other friends who we literally call like Mr. of the school because he is like the mayor of the school. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm in the social scene I'm doing the social things. I'm doing the group hangs. I'm going to bar review. That took up a sizable chunk of time, but I was good about planning ahead for that because I knew it would like take it out of me the next day. So I would do like a shit ton of work like Sunday through Thursday so that like my Thursday night and Friday could like actually be fun. And then like that's how I, the ebbs and flows of like the week. So my... 2L. My 2L was busier than my 1L, but uh, it somehow felt more manageable for some reason. I really can't explain that to anyone. I wish someone could figure out why that's such a common experience, but I had classes Monday through Thursday. One semester I did actually have my fall semester, I had a Friday morning class. So Monday through Friday I would have classes. And then Friday afternoons, I do my, I run a pro bono project. Um, and then in the gaps between my classes, I literally treated it like not a nine to five, but in 8.30 to 7, 8 p.m. Um, I was reading doing site checks because I was on a journal, writing my blog posts and my articles for the journal. I worked part-time for a solo practitioner in my 2L year for like two days a week. And it was just like, I was always doing something. My 2L year, I did probably put in like 68 hours on Saturday and 68 hours on Sunday. Yeah. 
Um, 2L for me was like really fucking shitty at the beginning, mostly because the way my schedule worked out, I have four three credit classes, so like very content heavy. And it's similar to like any time you move up in like whatever class scoring, like how there's 100 level, 200 level, 300 level of undergrad. When you get to 2L, the professors are like, fuck you guys, you learned enough, like learn it on your own. And so you get thrown in and you're like, I feel like I don't know what I'm actually supposed to be doing, but now I have to pretend like I do and figure this shit out, which I mean, as time goes on, I think if you're not somebody who's like super comfortable going to office hours, you just get more comfortable. Like I'm, I'm emailing, I'm emailing them. I'm ringing them up. I'm like, we're meeting over teams. Cause I don't, I don't fucking get this. And like the confidence to do that has helped a lot, but oh boy. The beginning of 2L was like really rough for me and also really rough because I sprained my foot and that just like really threw me out of whack. And I was also doing like 75 soft. So then I couldn't work out anymore. I couldn't like walk for long distances because my foot gets really sore. So I was just like mentally declining. Um, But it's a lot better now. Like it's so much better now. Um, The class load is not the worst. I don't have Friday classes, so I do like a shit ton of work on Fridays, except now I'm working on Fridays. So I like do work while the baby's napping because I nanny (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then I come home, do work and then record the pod. Mm -hmm. Um, And then so Mondays, I don't have class until like the afternoon night ish. So then it's like mostly night classes. So I do like a bunch of work Monday mornings always to like set myself up for hopefully success during the week. Cause I really don't want to get behind because my Tuesdays I have three classes and they're like extremely dense classes. And one of them is my workshop, which has literally hundreds of pages of reading. I've complained about this class so much, but it, it's rough. Um, and then Tuesday and Thursday, I have no Wednesday and Thursday. I have two classes each, which isn't the worst. And Wednesday I have a huge gap and I also have pro bono. So I have like more things to do, but weirdly enough I'm also one of those people where it's like the more time blocked off that I have the more efficient I am in my free time if that makes sense it's like the immediate stress gets me motivated so it does actually make me finish things but it's just like it's just a different kind of stress and life never stops like I sprained my foot and I got COVID like three weeks later so you never know what's gonna fucking happen during law school And it's because everything is happening all of the time and you can't pause anything when you like get sick. You can't. (laughs) I literally, I had food poisoning for one day and I felt like I spent a week or two catching up. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very out of control. I do feel like I am the same type of person where like, I don't always feel it in the moment. Like when I'm that busy, I feel like I just, I just stay really productive and it doesn't bother me. And then like winter break hits and you're like, holy crap. Like, how did I do that? Mm -hmm. The decompression time for me is really long. Mm -hmm. Like I really felt it last winter break because I stayed in town because I was doing like a bunch of different pro bono projects like once finals were over because I didn't do them during the semester so I was like I'm just gonna do a bunch during winter break and so I did a bunch before I went home and then I was home and I like 
I literally did nothing. I was like, I don't want to get into any deep conversations. I don't want to like argue about shit. I was like, I'm going to eat. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to like help with chores around the house. But like, I cannot use a lot of mental energy right now. Anyways, that was a huge (laughs) tangent. That's just gonna be like a twenty-minute chunk. Yeah, that we have to just like pull out. Okay, my three-l schedule. Let's get back. (laughs) My three-l schedule is so different than my first two years of law school because I'm barely at the law school at all. I'm barely in class. Um, Mondays is actually the only day that I'm there all day, whereas in um, my 1L and 2L years, like every single day was like that. So I have class at 9.50 in the morning until 11.50. And then there's typically something going on at lunch. Like, you know this, there's just every activity is planned during the lunch hour. Um, Every other week I have a pro bono meeting during that hour. And then if I don't, there is definitely something going on that I'm at um, eating lunch too. Then until from like one until 5.30, I am studying, reading. I'm taking a bar prep class. So I'm watching the the famous lectures a lot of the time um, and doing a lot of the work for like my journal. Tuesdays, all day, I'm at my externship at the public defender's office. So wake up, wake my ass up at 6.30, take that hour and 15 minute bus to the office. I'm there all day. I get back at like 6.30, 6.45. Um, and then I don't do anything after that because being <laughs> a public defender is emotionally draining. Very much so. Um, Wednesdays, I typically, this is, this is the day where I wake up extra early and go to the gym. I tried to do that on Mondays. It doesn't always happen. Um, then I have my bar prep class from one to three and I'll do some other work, do my readings, whatever. Thursday, back at the public defender's office, same exact schedule as Tuesdays. Fridays, I don't have anything in the morning. Again, I'll work out, I'll do some work. And then I have my pro bono project from one to 4 p.m. Um, and then for the first like six weeks of the semester, I was like barely doing any work on the weekends. Um, I'd probably be doing like four, five hours total. Um, but now I'm studying for the MPRE. And I'm taking the New York law course so that I can take the New York law exam. So my weekends have looked a lot busier, but I think that's because I'm not, like if I wanted to implement three to four more hours of studying in on Wednesday and Friday, like I could, but I'm so emotionally exhausted from being at the public defender's office. which is like not something that I necessarily expected. I don't even think it's the work. I think it's the commute. (laughs) (laughs) It adds four hours to my week. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of time to be on the bus. 
Yep. But um, my schedule now, very different than the other years. Yeah. I don't have a 3L schedule because I'm not a 3L. But something I did forget about 1L is on top of classes, we had like this, like success, how to be a law school student class thing, which was like the first 10 weeks of the semester. So that was like an extra class I had on Mondays for 10 weeks. And then after the first week, so then we had like nine weeks of like scheduled TA sessions for every single doctrinal. So I had three hours scheduled in per week that were like open TA sessions. So they would like have a worksheet. And I went to all of those, like almost every single one first semester. And like most of them second semester. There was one that I stopped going to first semester because the the TAs were really bad, <laughs> like really, really bad. Um, but I usually went to them. So that was like a built-in like review session, which was really nice. But it was also another hour of doing school content with people from school. So that was like an added thing in my schedule. Yeah, I also, we had a, an optional class called Transition to the Profession um, that met every other Tuesday for an hour. And I did do that my 1L year and it was the entire year. Um, and there was some like outside reading, outside work to do, but it was, it was negligible compared to <laughs> your doctrinal class. Um, yeah. I mostly went for the free lunch. So <clears throat> I didn't even get anything out of it. It didn't, we didn't even get credit for it. My one all year you get, I think, um, I think you get like a half credit per semester for it now, but it was supposed to be aimed at like first generation students to like teach you how to law school and like about the legal field. Um, and I mean, I don't regret taking it, but it's also the class in which uh, one of the professors told me that women should aim to look forgettable so that men take them seriously. So, you know, not oh, wow. the best thing to take <laughs> young women. <laughs> the thing I've learned about any like, school sanctioned advice is you really have to take that shit with a grain of salt because um they i feel like schools in general just like to follow the like very straightforward advice of like this is what will this is what you need to do to help you succeed and you should start outlining at this time x blah 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 the thing is about like advice like that is it does not account for anything. It does not account for personal shit happening in your life. It does not account for any of your abilities. It does not account for like, like anything else. Like you have family stuff. Maybe you're working part-time because schools are always like, don't work 1L. There are some people who cannot afford to not work. And none of the advice or any of the shit that they give you is going to like make up for that or like make sense of law school with the advice that they give. Yeah, and I think it ties back to the first discussion of this episode that what does a typical law student look like? It is a wealthy white person who comes from a well-connected family. And the advice that law schools give is advice that suits that kind of student. And it, that is what you need to keep in mind when you're listening to it. Yeah, which is mostly just focus on your grades. Right, because grades can get you in the door somewhere but if I have the same GPA and I have like similar 
extracurriculars, like if me and the other person are both on a journal, them having a personal connection at the law firm is going to put them ahead of me. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. And a lot of jobs are by referrals. So like the more people, you know, at that firm or like that you network with or whatever, that's also going to put you forward in the line of applicants, Mm -hmm. which is like shit that you, you wouldn't know. But then like the further you get into school, it almost feels like common sense, but it's because now we're like a part of the system where like, we know what matters, but if you're coming in, you don't know what matters and you think you have to do like all of the right things, which it's not always, not always the case. And you can do all of the right things and still get passed up. Mm -hmm. And that can be because you're getting passed up because, you know, someone else did all of the right things and they know a partner at the firm (laughs) or you did all of the right things on paper and you're an absolutely unpleasant person to be around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that goes back to like your reputation will follow you too. Cause like you really realize one in general, the legal community is like pretty small because obviously it's one career path. So it's pretty small, but if you're like looking for jobs specifically wherever you're living or like a specific city, the legal field is even smaller. Like there's so much overlap. Like somebody was classmates with somebody in 1995. Like all these people are interconnected and the legal field becomes interconnected because there's bar associations. There's like boards that attorneys sit on because attorneys love to do that shit. Everybody knows each other. And if you have like something bad or just maybe not bad, but like something negative or like suspicious or like weird, that is like your reputation. That can be really hard to like, <laughs> like dig yourself out of. Cause I've, I've seen it happen. I have seen it happen already. Oh yeah. Okay. Deleting that whole section too. Oh wow. <laughs> this is why like, what is law school actually like? It's a fucking mess. It's a mess. And to actually yeah. discuss it, it would require outing so many people as terrible people yeah. in a way that would then impact my reputation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that I can't do it. <laughs> so, like, so much of this is going to be cut. So much of this is going to be cut. But yeah. what we can talk about generally is some other aspects of like typical law students, because I know we both get questions all of the time about taking gap years and people are so scared of taking a gap year. And I understand it. I was petrified of taking a gap year, but so many people have. Yep. A lot of people have, and a lot of people have taken multiple. I personally wish I would have taken more I don't necessarily regret it, but I think I would have appreciated more time off and more time to work and save money, but I don't regret taking one. And I actually think it was pretty invaluable in keeping a level head in law school, because while I do get like very wrapped up in the social scene and like all that kind of stuff, it's just like so beyond what I care about. Like I'm in it, but they're just parts of it that I just could not give a fuck less about because I've had time to be outside of school and be outside of the bubble of like 
social groups and like dynamics and weird shit it's like I see it and I choose not to participate in certain aspects of it and that's been really nice because I just don't give a fuck (laughs) but it's it's high school and I think having a gap year or having multiple gap years is like a nice cushion of like reality to save you from like completely yep. nose diving into that shit. There are so many people who had full careers before coming to law school. Like, I don't know what it's like in your school, but there are so many former teachers. There yep. are like military personnel. We have a former cop. Um, some people on TikTok get really upset when I say cop instead of like law enforcement officer. He calls himself a former cop. So do not come for me. Um, identified cop. <laughs> um, people who work in politics, like mm-hmm. lots, lots of politics stuff. And lots of those, like, I don't know what to call them and I couldn't remember the name of any of these programs if you held a gun to my head but those like rich kid elite school programs where they're just like volunteering internationally and it's like somehow like really recognized and score that some of the other ones AmeriCorps uh, all of them all of them we've got people who did those all the course all the course (laughs) Um, and that is just so fucking wild to me because that was nowhere on my radar during undergrad. That was some rich, oh. shit. <laughs> rich shit. Um, at my school, there's, I don't know. Cause we have like a pretty decent mix. Like a lot of our stats are like very mixed. Like it's like half in-state, half out-of-state, half women, half men like half half everything um so I'd say it's probably like half maybe a little bit more than half of K through JD but we do have a lot of former teachers we have a lot of former um like business people a lot of former people who worked in people who worked in politics we have like some university professors who are just like I'm gonna get a JD um we have people who work in environmental stuff I think our like part-time students are like extremely mixed. We also have some international students who are like studying abroad at our school too. We have, I think, two international students right now. They're both from um, England and it's very funny to me. They're like little babies because it's like an undergraduate degree over there. (laughs) They're funny. Uh, No, it's really mixed. I do think like... Something that really psyched me out during my gap year was I very much thought that in order to take a gap year, I needed to work at a law firm during my gap year. I needed to have legal experience during my gap year. Um, And if I didn't, like my pre-law society advisor dude he was the type to like push those like AmeriCorps, Peace Corps kind of programs. And that was just like so unrealistic for me as a person that like I created this huge anxiety about like, what if I'm not doing the right things during my gap year? 
And I came in to a new city for my gap year, no connections, no legal experience on my resume, applied to a shit ton of firms, didn't get a single offer and worked in a bar. <laughs> and like, I still got into law school and I, I still got a big law position after law school. So like, don't worry about that shit. Yeah, it, it really doesn't. I mean, it can like help you with connections, but it can, it definitely, you can return to that firm, but hmm, it's not essential. No, it's not. And it's, it's not as absolutely like determinative of what you're going to do with your life as I made it out to be, because I'm very dramatic. (laughs) Everything is the end of the world to me. Like it's, I'm telling you, you are a Virgo. I'm telling you, I swear to fucking God, you're a Virgo. <laughs> I, I literally, my fall semester, we do practice exams in like the midterms spot. I had a huge breakdown. I was like getting ready to drop out of school. And when I got like my results back from them, my boyfriend was like, you're not fucking allowed to complain anymore. Because <laughs> like... <laughs> You just make this shit up in your head. Like everything is the fucking end of the world with you. And nothing he says can ever calm me down. Like it's (laughs) my best friend is the same way and she's getting her PhD right now. And she will be absolutely shitting fucking bricks about like each of her exams, like especially her first year. She would be like freaking the fuck out. And like this bitch did perfectly fucking fine okay like she did perfectly fine in this fucking phd program but she's gonna shit bricks every fucking time and i'd be like okay like you'll get through it you're gonna take the exam either way so okay (laughs) that was so that was such a fucking negative ass episode i feel like i need to put a disclaimer in the beginning like disclaimer um it's really easy to dwell on the negative things in law school. And we're just trying to be real with you because social media only likes to show you the good things, but. That's all for this week's episode of the in-laws. It was kind of negative. So look out for a positive one from us in the future to make up for it. Maybe (laughs) make sure to follow us on IG at the in-laws pod. We post full length videos every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern time. So make sure to follow and rate the podcast through whichever streaming service you're listening on. Talk to you next week. Bye.